Welcome to this week's edition of Megan Fun of Sports. It is August 17th. We're recording on the same day that you are listening to this podcast. Megan Connolly joined as always by Megan Gailey, who has moved into a new home. Yeah, so two-thirds of the Megan Fun of Sports crew right now is in the process of moving. I moved Monday. <laughs> Eddie moved Tuesday. The fact that this episode is even happening is a miracle. This is, it's nothing short of a feat of God. Um, so I, I mean, I just took my busted old Zoom. It's broken. Um, it, it broke in the move out of a box that was filled with like garden lights and contacts. Like there's that tweet that's like, oh, at the beginning of moving, you're like, look at this thing I painted in second grade. And then by the end of it, you're like family heirloom, throw it out. And that is definitely the phase. I, I forgot my wedding dress. Like, it's just, it's all over the place. Um, I'm, I, I feel for Eddie. I feel for myself. I have my parents here helping, too. Oh, um, gosh. There's really nothing worse than moving. Uh, yeah, and I was like, I'm like, do other cultures hate it this much? And my guess is no, because I think Americans typically have more stuff than most cultures. And I think we're also, like, constantly trying to, like bigger, better. And so it's like, well, we move, I think we move more often. I think we have more stuff. Like even just like seeing the things hung in your office right now, Megan, I'm like, well, this room will never have that. This room, this room is going to look like this for five years. Okay. This is what it's going to be. Well, especially moving with an infant baby that is also teething. <sighs> I mean, I, I can only imagine. See, when we moved back in April, we hired the people that came in, packed up all of our stuff, wrapped Smart. it up, and then brought it to the next place. And I wanted to do that. They quoted us two days, and I said, "This is, mm. we are not the Obamas. Okay, we cannot. <laughs> this is weird. So, but don't worry. I did find my giant Colts cup. So good, good. are with me. All right. Well, I'm, I'm sure you have a lot of morons because of this this moving week. So let's kick things off with our moron of the week. I'll let you start. You know, so my moron of the week is actually a large group of people that care and I don't think hang on the word, but seem excited by the words of Antonio Brown. Um, there was that like rambling, bizarre poem that we've now since found out he actually did not write, but thought was funny. So he reposted, um, talking about Jesus at the Red Rocks and how his greatest regret in life is that he never got to watch himself play. And I, I'm to the point with Antonio Brown, pretty similar to how I feel with Kanye, where it's like, these people need psychological help they this is a cry um for help they are suffering from mental illness and to be like look at what they're doing is like kind of insane at this point so we can't bring up the tweets that he posted today oh no is there more <laughs> well just the two that i sent you in our group chat one where he is um He's getting mad about Tom Brady. He tweeted this morning, Tom Brady, manipulate the game, gets 14 days, go home, get his mind right, LOL. Okay. Yeah. Now you see the difference. Yeah. Put that shit on. And Which then is he, like, you know he wrote that. You know, yes. Like, that feels like that's a brain to tweet immediately. And then he <laughs> also tweeted, Alex Guerrero, you think I won't have you smacked at T 
TB12. Boy, stop playing with me. Boy, getting paid by bucks and taking players' money, too. Now, Antonio Brown owes Tom Brady a lot because Antonio Brown had his whole fiasco with the Raiders and his feet and all of that, and Tom Brady advocated for him to come to New England. It lasted all of seven days, and Antonio Brown was out once again. And then Tom Brady goes to the Bucks once again advocated for his buddy Antonio Brown to come there. There were even talks that Antonio Brown was living in Tom Brady's home, and now... And, and, and I'm guessing it was a guest house that was, like, far away, but still sure. very kind of him. You know, we're not talking he's in the guest room where I'm recording yes. right now. And now um, Antonio Brown has turned on both Tom Brady and Alex Guerrero, which I, I am all for, but it, similar yes. to you, I think Antonio Brown's crazy. Yes. And it's like, take his phone. Like, I, I mean... Yeah, it makes me, it, it like bums me out at this point. And I know that I am not a Steelers fan. I hate the Steelers more than any team um, across any of the professional sports. But it really does go to show like, damn, Mike Tomlin, <laughs> you really had it, held it together for a while. Kudos I think that's our biggest takeaway with Antonio Kudos Brown. to you. Yeah. Just, he must, just the biggest takeaway. He must just um, love watching this. So I'm not calling Antonio Brown a moron. I'm calling my husband a moron who spent minutes of like last week making a Jesus at Red Rocks meme. <laughs> Which did he spend more time making? A Conrad dunking picture? Oh, uh, the Conrad or... dunking. Conrad dunking. I like took a nap. Like I fell asleep while he was starting it, took a full nap, woke up and he was still working on it. And I'm like, Honey, you could have been sleeping. <laughs> like, he made that while Comer was napping. Like, it was valuable time. You know, when they're like, sleep when the baby sleeps. And he's like, no, I will make a meme of my son dunking a fiery basketball. All right. Well, thoughts and prayers to your husband. Um, <laughs> my moron of the week is J.J. Watt. And before you all oh, attack God. me for no, this. I'm with you. Um, so JJ, if you haven't been following on social media, he lives in Arizona now, obviously, because he plays for the Cardinals and he's not used to Arizona climate. He's not used to what happens in Arizona, Arizona. There's a lot of snakes. So JJ sees a snake in his house, which he <gasps> believes is a rattlesnake in his house. I believe it was his house. Oh no. I, I believe it was. I'd say I need a trade. Trade me. <laughs> So he believes this is a rattlesnake. So he calls um, the people that you call exterminators, animal um, control, whatever it may be. They come to his home and they say, oh, that's not a harmless snake at all. And the guy picks it up with his hand and removes the snake from JJ's house. So JJ posts this whole video, which I have to say his delivery was fantastic. Just so good in this video. We don't see a lot of personality out of J.J. Watt, so I really loved this video from him. But I'm calling J.J. a moron because that's what he probably feels like. And we've all been there in similar situations, and you and Eddie are probably going to face situations like this now yes. that you moved. Mm -hmm. Because when we moved, all of a sudden, our refrigerator, we're like, oh, the ice maker doesn't work. The ice maker mm -hmm. doesn't work. Why is the ice maker not working? So my husband called the landlord. The landlord sends the guy over to fix our ice maker. And the guy comes in and he's like, oh, you know why it's not working? And we're like, why? He's like, because it's not turned on. And we were like, mm. oh, shit. So he turned it but, on and the guy left. So this is probably how JJ feels right now. But, like, you don't work in ice maker land. Okay. So it's like, that's not on you, honestly. And, and 
JJ being in Arizona, no one has felt more Arizona to me in my life than JJ Watt. Like, I would believe that Arizona birthed JJ Watt of its own womb. Um, but if there was a steak, if there was a, a steak, if there was a steak in my house, I'd be happy. But if there was like a, 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 a worm too big, I would call animal control. Snakes are my number one. I'm like Indiana Jones. I'm so terrified of them. You give me spiders, fine. You give me little geckos that run around all in my backyard, totally fine. Rodents, I don't love. But snakes, I'm climbing the wall. I'm moving out of the house. Goodbye. <laughs> so you would have been with JJ in this situation. Yes. And even when they said this isn't a harmless snake, I go, any snake is harmful. Any snake is harmful. So... <laughs> That's that's my take. I guess I'm with JJ for one out of one million takes right now. Well, I don't think JJ is a moron for the way he acted. I think his, his reaction was very normal. I'm just saying JJ probably feels like a moron. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Just Eddie. like I felt when my ice maker was not turned on. Okay, Eddie, let's let's hear your moron. No moron uh, of the week for me, just Mensch. And uh, I'll, I'll start off the Mensch of the week because the, the, the movers I had, these three, you know, tiny men... Did the best possible job, and uh, I believe it was SQ Movers. Great job by them. It's, I felt like guilty, me yes. being like six foot two. They're carrying all this stuff. They did it very quickly. And uh, this little inside baseball for those who don't live in LA, but Megan, you'll know. But like la- literally a year ago, I was moving myself, Oof. and we didn't get movers. Mm. And I was taking a U-Haul from like the Grove to Marina del Rey. Oh no! And uh, at, like during rush hour, Ooh. and it was by far like one of the worst experiences of my life. No, what movers can do is fully incredible and we know a lot a lot of comedians in new york city are movers and cj was like do you think you could be a mover for a day and i was like yeah no. and he goes i said yes for one day i used to work at a distribution center that's like a factory okay i was like i think i could do it for one day oh, and he goes God. okay pick this up i go well no i just, if they ask me to pick up certain things i go i can't do that and he goes well then you would get fired and i go okay well i would still show up and try uh what age are you past the point of asking friends to help to move? I think, unfortunately, it ends up being, like, income bracket more than age. Because, like, I know 45-year-olds that are still asking friends to help. But I think you're, I think, like, 30. I think 30 yeah. is definitely the cutoff. I even say it may be a little younger, depending no, where you live. I know. But, I know. I'm, um, try- I'm trying to give people the grace of... But there comes an age where you should not ask your friends yeah. to help you move. Yeah. Or anybody. It's on you. You decide to move. Now you figure it out. And it's a pain in the ass and it costs money, but, and it's never fun. So no. I'm thinking of you both. Um, so my um, mensch of the week is that Eddie Meatball and Eddie's girlfriend Jada came to Largo here in Los Angeles, which is one of my favorite venues. If you have not been, you have to go um, to see a stand-up show that I was on with that was hosted by my other podcast wife, Naomi Ekparrigan of the Lifetime Podcast. How was it meeting Eddie in the flesh for the first time? You've was- never met Eddie, which is bizarre. Eddie is a hunk, um, so much so that Naomi like saw a picture of us and goes, who's this cutie? Okay, so Eddie is like, Eddie is attractive. Jada's gorgeous. Stunning. Meatball, Meatball is so sweet. Like, I was like, I just was like, oh my gosh, I bet I've, t- I bet I've tormented this man, you know, child, mm-hmm. basically, man. And I was like, did you used to wrestle? And he was like, I did. And I was like, I knew it. Like, he just, he feels like a kind little sweetie grown up. Um, but the show was really fun and, and wild. And yeah, and then we went to this like speakeasy afterwards where they Ooh. were feeling pretty proud of themselves you know I think we all would have been happier if we were just at like a regular bar but um I stayed out till 1 a.m 
like a crazy person. And then Saturday was the longest day of my life. What'd you do about the pumping situation? Um, what did I do? Oh, I got home and I slept for 10 minutes and then I fed him. (laughs) I'm always so fascinated about pumping. I know people don't talk about it enough, but I'm always so fascinated. Like, what do you, what do you do? You know? Well, I think I've told you that I, someone I love dearly who breastfed till both their kids were two and a half told me if you're sober enough to pump, you don't need to dump. Okay. No, I just am confused about like when and where to do it, but we can talk. Oh about no, that I had to go home because no, I have to go home sometimes because I'm like, my boobs are leaking. I got to go. Wow. Yeah. So, women don't get enough credit. I'm telling no, you. No, they really we don't, don't. We don't complain enough because everyone's like gross. And it's like, well, listen, all Eddie can tell you my entire set is just complaining about being pregnant. <laughs> well, no, you got to be pregnant for 10 months. They lie to you and yeah. say it's nine. They lie. And then after that, it's like your body is healing and your boobs are leaking for yeah. another year. So it's yeah. like two years of your life just gone and nobody even talks about it. Yeah. So nobody, nobody but me. Okay, Megan, um, who's your mensch of the week? Um, my mensch of the week, and we're going to get into this later is, uh, the Chicago White Sox. So, um, wow, you're back. Uh, yeah, I am. And we could talk about it later when we get to the baseball segment, but, um, had their biggest win of the season last night. And I am going through a really, really, really tough breakup. And we're going to talk about it later in the show. So the White Sox, they're back and I am back on the White Sox. Um, but let's turn our attention to a show that this podcast loves dearly, and that show is Hard Knocks. Hard Knocks debuted last week, and last night we got another episode of it. Um, it's the Detroit Lions. I just have to stay right off the bat. I would die for Dan Campbell. Yeah. I'd run through a wall for him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, Dan Campbell, I don't know if you noticed this about Dan Campbell, but he always has a lip in, but he's gotten so good at having this lip in that you can barely tell he has it in 24 seven. Yes. Um, he, he's truly just a football player grown up, you know, Mm -hmm. he feels like a high schooler. Um, and I, and I mean that like in a positive way, not like a, you know, snapping people's jock straps, but he has so much energy, him watching him do the drills. And, and I don't think this is put on for the cameras. I think this is who he really is because he's also cursing. It's not all laughs, you know, he's getting in guys' faces, but like when we saw him cry at that, uh, press conference, I, I, I think he's going to cry during training camp almost every time he's speaking. Like, there's so much passion, and this is what Hard Knocks does. It makes you fall in love with these teams. And so it's like, now I have to be invested in the Detroit Lions? I can't take that on. That's a lot. Um, but but I really, I, I really like... I just love the show and I think they produce it so well. And my friend who's married to a Lions fan and she has a newborn, she was like, Drew's making me watch the show. And I was like, Francie, it's so good. You're going to love it. And then she texted me after 10 minutes and she was like, is Dan Campbell hot? And I was like, I could see it. I could see it. Yeah, I am. I'm with her. I'm not sure if he's attractive or not, but his passion is definitely, um, it, it comes off the screen. And I think, I think it makes, makes you like him even more. Absolutely. And like, I do think all women have this fantasy of like being picked up, um, you yes. know, and, and like 
CJ can pick me up, but it's definitely, I'm like, is your knee okay? You know, like it's not, and Dan Campbell feels like he could like pick you up, throw you over your shoulder and it, it, in one fell swoop and it would mean nothing to him. Like so, if he gave you a hug, it would be a yeah. hug that you never yeah. wanted to end. Yeah. He's like a kind Gaston. Yes. So he had a great quote. He said, it doesn't matter if you have one ash cheek and three toes. <laughs> Which I, I love that yeah. analogy. Um, fantastic work by Dan Campbell. Um, we also get to see Aiden Hutchinson, who first is round pick. first round pick out of Michigan, playing for the Lions, From local Detroit. legend. Crazy. Um, his family is way too good looking. Like the just, thing of movies. Yes. And Harry and I believe talked about this after the draft, but Megan, we didn't get a chance to talk with you just about how stunning this family is. Yeah. And then last night in Hard Knocks episode, they showed them all in this box together. And I swear they just get prettier and prettier and prettier. And the father, I guess, as you would expect with, you know, these beautiful daughters, beautiful wife who looks way younger than she is. Yeah. The father's pretty average. Well, yeah, because so he was a, a star at Michigan. And mm-hmm. then did he play in the league as well? I think so. Like, I'm guessing briefly. to some yeah. I, yeah, I think to some extent. But like, honestly, when I saw the house and saw the wife and saw the dad, I was like, oh, he like owns a string of car dealerships. I did not read NFL player. I read like rich white guy. Um, and then once it was like, oh, he he played the same position at Michigan. His son went to Michigan because of him. He was, then I go, wow, this is, it's like, it's, you know, that how that Giannis movie came out. This would yes. be the whitest version of that Giannis movie um, where it's like, here are sisters and they are hot, but they seem really, this, I, this is a dream come true for these sisters. Cause they're like, listen, I'm going to be blonde and hot on HBO. Yep. And I bet their DMs are blowing up. Well, um, and now they can keep the tradition alive. They can marry a football player right, and then have right. a football player son, and exactly. then their football player son can go to Michigan just like grandpa and uncle and yeah. now child. So this works yeah. out for them. You know, I knew a family at Purdue. The dad played at Purdue and then played for the Bears, and then the son played at Purdue, and the sister was my sorority sister, and she was really hot. Um, and I always was like, she should go on The Bachelor. Um, and Did then she? Once, once I brought it up to her, and she was like, my family doesn't want me to. <laughs> so I was like, I love that there was even a conversation about it. Um, but yeah, there's these there's these families, and they feel like families that you would see in movies and be like that family doesn't exist but they do and the house was like it wasn't a mcmansion it was like tudor like there was a level of um sophistication to it that i Mm -hmm. really really loved now do we think aiden hutchinson is living at home or do we think he's used his signing bonus because this seems like the type of family that they got a tight grasp on their baby boy so from what i know about detroit real estate it's pretty cheap so i'm guessing he has bought something and then spends all his time back at his family home. Like because he mom know how to do the laundry. Way, oh yeah. He the way that mom looks, cook. she's cooking. Yeah. And so she she's probably traveling back and forth between whatever place he got, helping to decorate it, and then doing all of his stuff. And I say that as someone whose mom is folding her laundry right now as we speak. <laughs> 
Um, another big takeaway, and this is the player that I am afraid. I am afraid to fall in love with this player yeah. because they always introduce a character to you in Hard Knocks that you love, and then they cut him. That player this year is linebacker Malcolm Rodriguez. They're calling him Rodrigo. He's number yeah. 44. He was the other rookie who had two along. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson stole the show. He did Billie Jean. We know. <laughs> Which we I all was saw like. It. Um, I don't know. Some people, listen, not everybody's seen the doc, um, but it, it is wild to be like, oh, some people are just fully still all in on Michael Jackson. Nope. <laughs> okay. Clearly Hutchinson is one of those people who can separate the art from the artist. So I bet um, he doesn't even know. I bet he doesn't even know. Probably not. It hasn't made its way to Detroit mm-hmm. yet. Detroit's mm-hmm. a little bit behind on things. So um, Rodrigo, he also had to get up in front of the group and he did it in bare feet. Now, Megan, we've talked about this on the show many times. If I post any picture on the internet, any mm-hmm. picture, if it's a story, a tweet, whatever, within a couple of hours, that and it shows my feet, within yeah. a couple of hours, that picture is on my wiki feet page. Yeah. So Malcolm Rodrigo is up there completely barefoot doing his little dance in front of setting. the entire yeah. team. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to know if he has a wiki feet page, and it turns out he does not, which I was stunned. This is not just a picture on an Instagram story. This is on HBO. This is everywhere. No wiki feet. Megan, it's because men are who like the feet. Straight men love women's feet. (laughs) Straight and or gay men do not like NFL players' feet. This isn't even the first NFL players' feet we've mentioned on this episode. Antonio Brown froze his feet. Okay, and then we've seen Shaq's feet. Athletes have notoriously terrible feet because they're put through the ringer. Ooh, I I don't even want to get it. Something's going on with CJ right now. I got my dad's feet here. Men's feet, not good. Okay, so it does not surprise me. I think there's I think there's very few men that are on Wiki feet at all. Um, when I saw him barefoot in this uh, tape room, I was like, oh my god, no, oh no, 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 he's gonna get athletes, but. He had his little Adidas slide like right next to him. He just couldn't salsa in them, which I actually was like, kudos to you. I love that you were like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to dance right. Mm-hmm. And, and he did. And he did. And I just love seeing all these like giant men lose their minds. Like <laughs> the talent show portion of Hard Knocks is always my favorite. I do love that. And I also, it's interesting you say that because when I started posting that I was running a marathon, a lot of people in my Instagram comments were like very concerned about my feet. So it makes sense now about this athlete feet situation. People were concerned. So, Uh um, well, good for him. He doesn't have a um, foot page on the internet, but um, big fan of Rodrigo. I hope he makes the team. And if he doesn't make the Lions, I'm sure he will make a practice squad somewhere. But he is the darling of the show. Along with Amon Ross St. Brown, who was drafted as a wide receiver last year, his father is John St. Brown, who we met last night. He is a former Mr. Universe. And he trains both of his sons. Um, I don't know if you saw him, if you saw how they're working out, but his son like hit the gym, I think at like age maybe 12 is when he started lifting. Okay. All right. I mean, you know, Conrad's hoop came over um, this morning and my mom was like, I was wondering where his basketball hoop was. So we've got, um, we've got our own little Mr. Universe in training over here. All right, any other takeaways from Hard Knocks before we move on? No, I just love it. 
All right. Well, um, we will move on. I have something in take formation about Aaron Rodgers. Okay. And you texted us this last week. So, yes. I, and I haven't asked because I wanted to hear it fresh on the pod, but I've been waiting a week for this Aaron Rodgers take. So please. Well, it's, it's in formation. So okay. there's been a lot of good publicity out about Aaron Rodgers right now. Oh, I must've missed that. <laughs> a lot of good publicity. So every week, Albert Breer writes his Monday morning football yeah. column. It's great. In last week's column, there was an entire interview with Aaron Rodgers and about his relationship with the coaching staff and how they're working together. And these are guys who really want to be there. And it made Aaron Rodgers look chef's kiss, made him look really grown up, made him look evolved. He goes on the podcast, part of my take, which we all know, very popular, very famous podcast, and he wins the people over. So I think this is a totally revamped PR scheme for Aaron Rodgers because of what happened during the offseason. During the offseason, we see Devontae Adams is like, screw Rodgers, I'm gone. And this was mm-hmm. after Aaron Rodgers said, I am only playing in Green Bay with Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams goes to Vegas. Now Aaron Rodgers is like rebranding himself and bribing the media to do so. And I just want to say I'm on to it. I still think Aaron Rodgers is the same person that he always yeah. was. And he's just trying to change the narrative because Mm -hmm. he looks at someone like Tom Brady and he's like, well, he can be loved. He can be loved by everyone and he gets away with all of this stuff. And I'm on to it. I just want to say, Aaron Rodgers, I am on to you. Yeah, because even as I hear you say this, I'm like, okay, if he's so buddy-buddy with the coaching staff, why didn't he bring them to do ayahuasca? Like, listen, if I found out, Megan, that you went and did ayahuasca without Eddie and me, I'd be pissed. You should be. It changed my relationship with everybody. I go, yeah, it changed your relationship with me because now I'm mad at you. Yeah, I agree. Take me to Peru. That is a rule. If you're going to do ayahuasca, you have to do it with your team. Yeah, exactly. Whether it's your podcast team, your football team, you got to do it with your team. And I always do wonder, like, what is Blue Heaven on Earth? What is her name? I I just, it's not going to Heaven, Moon, Earth gal. Love her. Um, Is she in Green Bay right now? You know, because it's like, we know this bitch does not eat dairy. And so, like, (laughs) will she even wear the cheese head? I doubt it. I doubt it. Um, Is she coming to training camp? Like, do they, I bet they don't FaceTime. I wonder if they send sort of, like, smoke signals. Um, Yeah, I'm guessing she's in, like the Palisades. Um, so she's having to send spoke signals all the way to Green Bay. I don't know. How do, how are they communicating through maybe like, um, oh, in Harry Potter, when you would like make something in the cauldron and then you would talk to each other. What is Blue Moon Earth, Heaven on Earth, um, and Aaron Rodgers' communication pattern right now? I'm curious. Well, and I just want to say, no matter how much money Aaron Rodgers or how much he bribes the media to make him look great, I'm still on to him. I think he's, he's probably still a douche. So... Yeah, I think so too. Speaking Great football of, player. Absolutely. And I love watching him play. Um, speaking of douches, uh, Deshaun Watson has now finally publicly apologized for the first time after, I think now, a year of saying he did nothing wrong. Said on multiple occasions, I have no regrets. Remember those t-shirts in the 2000s? Oh, yeah. No regrets. Um, he should get one of those no regrets t-shirts and then it should say all the names of the women who have accused him of um, sexual misconduct. Uh, 
sell that at Myrtle Beach. And he was being interviewed, and I think this was by the Browns team reporter. Now, Megan, as a former team reporter, I just like I, I even felt for this woman being put in this situation. It felt very scripted. It felt very staged to me. How, what? How would you have approached that sort of issue? Well, as the t- the team reporter, I mean, everything has to be approved, right? So, like, I interviewed Belichick a couple times. All the questions had to be submitted, and we could not go off script whatsoever. Oof. So, it is a very scripted situation. Um, mm-hmm. I think. Again, it's like a PR thing. Like, let's have the in-house female girl interview her. Because it has to be a woman doing the interview, obviously. Um, But it's also a protected situation. Um, I think that's that's putting somebody in a really bad spot. Absolutely. And, you know, so I've, I've long said that, like, the only path to redemption, like, starts with an apology. Mm-hmm. I do think that some of the reason that he was saying, I have no regrets, I didn't do any of this, was, uh, like, keeping that hard line was purely legal. Um, and and is because that's lawyer talk, and lawyers are saying you can't admit any amount of guilt because then we lose. And so I understand that he's in a, a bind on that. But even so, now that he has settled and... We believe this year-long suspension is coming down from the NFL via Goodell. I, it didn't. I, I I say apology maybe in quotes. It didn't feel impassioned. It didn't feel like there was any amount of self-reflection. Or I actually do think I did anything wrong. No, I also think it's almost too little, too late. Like if yeah. he was going to come out and apologize, he should have done it before. Now wait till you get the year long suspension, go off the grid for a long time. And then when you come back, come out, you know, I had a year thinking and then you release your apology. I just think the timing was very poor and this was poorly planned for everybody involved because you know what Deshaun wasn't like, he didn't come to the practice facility one day and say, you know what? I would really like to apologize no. today. No, no, they, were they like, told the him you're apologizing. You need to apologize because we're starting you and you need to apologize. Yeah. I would love to know what he's going to do in this um, year off. And, and I think as a female NFL fan, we have every right to ask that. What type of help is he going to get? What type of therapy? What type of organizations is he going to volunteer with, give his money to and put his name behind? Because he's got a lot are, of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he can also bring bring any sort of women's organization to the forefront by saying, Hey, this is who I'm going to help. Um, and so I think that will be very important stuff to, to look for going forward. And I think that will also, that's like, you gotta, you gotta walk the walk now. And I, I don't think he's going to. Um, so, uh, should we take a quick break and then come back with some more? Yeah, let's come back with Zach Wilson. We'll take a quick break. See you guys on the other side. All right, we are back, and it's just bad news after bad news for Jets fans. More bad news came this week. Uh, Zach Wilson, he has to have knee surgery. He flew to L.A. to have this knee surgery. It looks like it's going to be four to six weeks, depending on this knee scope. Um, The more time that passes, it, it sounds like it's going to be four to six weeks. And the team is going to turn to Joe Flacco. But we have to ask the question, could it be Jimmy Garoppolo time in New Jersey? 
I think for something short term like this to start the season, you probably need to use someone who's in-house just because it's going to be difficult to, I mean, I don't know, the the Jets playbook may just be a cheesecake factory menu for all we know. <laughs> so it's like, I'm not saying this is high level stuff they're having to learn, but I think if you have Joe Flacco, who is a, you know, a, a proven commodity at the back end, um, but still can play and mature. It's not some unproven guy. You, you go with him and you say, bring us as, as far as you can. Is Joe Flacco any worse than Zach Wilson? I don't even know if he is. Yeah, I'm not sure. I was looking forward to see Zach, seeing Zach Wilson in year two, see what that could look like. Because I do think that is when you see players make the biggest jump from year one to year two. But obviously the Jets, they have more injuries. Honestly, Zach Wilson is a name that's just never gonna, it's, my brain is never gonna, it's like, now I have a child, I have other things to learn. And it like, I see him and I go, I know he's the Jets quarterback and I, and I know he looks blonde, but like the name is never gonna permeate my brain. It just can't. I don't have room for it. Um, all right, let's move elsewhere in the NFL. It's been an absolute disaster this week in Foxborough, Massachusetts. The Patriots are having joint practices with the Carolina Panthers. And yesterday, a full brawl broke out onto the field, which doesn't typically happen in a Belichick run practice ever. Mm -hmm. I mean, it has happened a couple times, but not like this. And then today my phone starts blowing up again and I'm seeing Mike Reese and all of the Patriots media members are tweeting once again about another fight that broke out on the practice field at Gillette Stadium. Um, There are conflicting reports. It looks like one of the Patriots wide receivers was down on a non-contact injury and then the Panthers were celebrating over him. Obviously the Patriots players didn't like that very much, so they started getting a little scruffy, pushing each other around. And then the next play, Christian McCaffrey was hit out of bounds. Christian McCaffrey's throwing punches. This is a total disaster. And the tweets were even saying that joint practices with the Panthers are becoming counterproductive for the Patriots. So I am not feeling great about the state of my team right now. I always chalk up training camp skirmishes to it being hot out. Like, if I was hot and having to work out in full pads, I would fight my family. Okay? So it's like, I've understood it, but I do get that you're saying, like, it's not typical for Belichick. Like, we see it in hard knocks. We see... I mean, they're going at each other. And, and, I mean, we even see in hard knocks coaches going at it. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's not abnormal. Um, I do, I almost think it's more abnormal for Christian McCaffrey to get a little hot under the collar. I mean, he doesn't seem like he would throw a punch if you kicked his dog. So, I, yeah, there, there must be something going on. I just wonder if Belichick is just like screaming at them, making them run constantly. They gotta do the hill, probably. Oof, I'm so glad. What's funny is when we watch Hard Knocks, CJ's like, I want to I wanna go to football camp. I'm like, okay, well, you have a child. Um, <laughs> All right, do you have any Colts updates before we move on to, um, I mean, we could do a little NBA, but I really want to get to Major League Baseball and our Manti Teo review. My only Colts update is that Matt Ryan in that, in that white Colts uniform, just it looks right and it feels good, and I'm at peace for the first time since... Andrew Luck, like since before he retired, I truly feel at peace. So, hmm, 
And I don't even need ayahuasca. Look at that. Good, because you you would have done it without me. Um, Quick hits from the NBA before we get to Major League Baseball. They are retiring number six for Bill Russell league-wide. Had to. Had to. Great initiative. Um, the Knicks and the Jazz, Donovan Mitchell trade talks have resumed. Giannis said that he could play for the Bulls later in his career, which obviously. Oh, no, I want him in Milwaukee forever. <sighs> and then Kevin Durant um, is he tweeted. Yeah, that's, we'll just leave it at that. Okay, Major League Baseball, I have to get to this. All right, I have to get to this. So I mentioned last week I'm dating. I am dating baseball teams. Um, I went on a couple dates with the Padres. It didn't go well, and I actually think I might may have ruined the Padres' entire season. So I'm thank you. sorry, Padres. As a, as a Dodgers fan, I say thank you so much. The dates did not go well. So last week, I started dating the Mets. And you have mm-hmm. to remember, this was after the White Sox had a terrible weekend of, once again, no run support, doing nothing for my team. Um, Harry and I were in on a couple different bets. None of them hit for the White Sox. So I moved on, and I started dating the Mets. And the Mets, great team, very fun. We've been seeing each other a little bit. And there certainly is a connection, but um, it's just it's just taking a while. And meanwhile, I keep getting these texts on my phone from my ex, which is the White Sox, like, hey, yeah. you up? Yeah. You up? And it happened when they swept the Tigers this weekend. I was watching the Mets on Sunday, and I had the phone notifications for the White Sox, and I just turned the Mets off and started watching the White Sox. And that's wow. when I knew my heart is still... Indeed, with the White Sox. So watch Mm -hmm. them sweep the Tigers. And I said, don't get your hopes up, Megan, because they're playing the Astros this week, and it's going to be a disaster. And it turns out they've had the two biggest wins of the season. Last night, it was Seas against Verlander. Seas was not even good, and the White Sox still found a way to win. And the night before, the White Sox had late-inning heroics by Yohan Mankato, who's been fucking terrible this whole season. Every time he gets up to bat, I say, this guy's a bum. This guy's such a bum. I hate this guy. He's such a bum. Bases loaded. And we got this guy up to bat. He's going to pop out two nights in a row. He was the one who drove in the game winning run. So I am fully back on the white. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I should say fully. Fully is a bit much, but it was like my ex texted me, you up. And I said, yes. And I went running to their house. Yes. This is classic ex behavior too. I've changed. I'm not going to be the same. I'm going to not put the dishes in the sink. I'm going to put them in the dishwasher, baby. And so they have one, two good games. And then you're like, it's different. And it's not going to be different. Tony LaRusso is going to be asleep today. I guarantee it. And you are my friend that I'm calling and saying, well, I'm just going to give him one more chance. And I'll take the call. I'll take the call. And you're going to tell me, no, don't take a chance. (laughs) So my, who I wish was my boyfriend, Fernando Tatis Jr., this uh, was breaking news last week, 80-game suspension for performance-enhancing drugs. He says it was for ringworm, a, a medicine he was taking. And when athletes get suspended for something like this, we are now typically seeing them go, I was taking X and I didn't read the... And, and, I, and I don't know... Listen... I take a prenatal and I take an antidepressant and you could tell me there's cyanide in there. I truly have no idea, but I'm also a stand-up comedian, not a professional athlete. So it's like, you gotta have somebody, I'm not saying Fernando Tatis, he's not a damn doctor, but you gotta have somebody doing your due diligence to find out what is in everything you're taking so you're not facing 80 game suspension. 
Well, I did see a tweet come out, and I don't know because there's a lot of stuff on the internet, but I did see a tweet come out of the picture of what he was taking. And pretty much right on the front of the bottle, it mentions a banned substance. I just one I just don't know. I just don't know, and it really bums me out because I think between him and Shohei Otani, they are the future of Major League oh, yeah. Baseball. They are the young, fun. This is what I think could get non-baseball fans or people that have fallen off back in. So to lose someone like Tatis, that's not only huge for his team, that's terrible for the game in general. I agree with you, especially that they have Machado on that team now and they have Juan Soto. So, um, okay. So I know you and Eddie have seen the Manti Teo documentary. I have been moving. And we have to mention Eddie is dressed in full Manti Teo gear today. Yes. He has his Notre Dame hat on and his Manti Teo jersey on. Yes. So, um, you haven't seen it yet. Can we do a little review? Absolutely. Because I've listened to the podcast. I was all in on the Manti Teo. So I know the story. I just don't know the take that's happening in the documentary so far. And I cannot wait to get to it. All right, so we have a couple minutes left. I've watched both episodes of the Manti Teo doc. Eddie has just watched one episode of the Manti Teo doc. We can go more in depth next week. We will stick with episode one for right now. My biggest takeaways are I feel awful for Manti Teo. And Eddie, you can, you can join us as the Notre Dame expert. We all live this and remember it so vividly. So it's very important to us. The things that shocked me was one, obviously wearing the jersey, grew up loving the team. He, Jack Swarbrick, the AD, does say some interesting things in the doc in part one that like Notre Dame had kind of a, a downward trend and they needed something to bring the the, organ, the, the, the school back to like, you know the, the promised land, so to speak. And they did reach the national championship uh, versus Alabama, but they got blown out. But they weren't the Notre Dame of today that's kind of a perennial top five, top ten team. So having a guy like Manti Teo, who was really in, like an inch away from going to USC, like a lot of Hawaiian players do, um, was pretty pretty awesome to go to South Bend, Indiana. And he was alone. Like, he didn't have people there. So that's why he did latch on to this internet friend. And his cousin makes, I think, the probably the best point in part one was like in 2009, people didn't under, really understand what catfishing was. They didn't understand that it was a thing. And also like, you know, Hawaiian culture, they're more, you know, in touch with nature. They're not like us, like city people who are on their phones constantly doing that kind of thing. I don't think, it, and his life was consumed by football. It's not like Manti Teo uh, is thinking like there's something nefarious going on there. So I do feel for him there. Uh, I will watch part two eventually. It will be pretty brutal to see Notre Dame get blown out again and then him lose the, the Heisman to Baker Mayfield. They don't show much of it. They they don't show much of it. They like focus more on yeah. the Manti situation. They don't really focus on on them losing. But I just think um, the biggest takeaway for me was Manti felt like an outsider at Notre Dame, and he became a celebrity at Notre Dame, like a celebrity. I remember my sister was a sophomore at Notre Dame. I was a freshman at Northwestern. I went to visit her, and everybody was wearing lays, and everybody was chanting Manti Teo. I mean, he was everything at Notre Dame, yet he felt like such an outsider because of his Polynesian culture. And here he has this person he could turn to, to talk to about everything Mm -hmm. when no one was really, truly there for them. So that's my biggest takeaway. And we could dive in more next week when you watch it. And I'm I'm skeptical, but I'm excited. And I just want to be on the record of saying South Bend, Indiana sucks. (laughs) Um, So Megan, I know you have to run. I'm going to stay on because I do want to hear this Brian Kelly rant because I love when people shit on Brian Kelly, um, when he went to LSU and was like, y'all, I can't wait to coach this team and win a national championship. I, he's the best. All right. Well, I will let you go. Um, thank you everybody for listening to Megan fun of sports. Bye Megan. Okay. Eddie, you got the gear on. You gotta give it to me. 
just to you know, round out this uh, Notre Dame segment of the the pod here, um, but yeah, Brian Kelly goes to LSU and a shocking turn of events, and every Notre Dame fan, kind of like I was just saying, you know, now they're a team that, while not on the level of an Ohio State, a Georgia, and Alabama, they're right. But they're almost in the conversation. There. They're in the conversation. Yeah. They're they're ranked fifth in the coaches' poll in the AP poll this year. So, uh, you know, they've been very good as of late, one of the best teams in the country. And then your head coach, who brought this success, all of a sudden is gone. He's going to an SEC mm-hmm. school to revive the team that just one with you know coach o obviously with joe burrow and all that everyone remembers that team to bring them back to the promised land because they've had a few years of kind of mediocre football and it really was a slap in the face and and angered a lot of fans but what's so funny about that is brian kelly going down there is like how it flipped everything to notre dame that you're getting a guy in marcus freeman who is light years better way more friendlier doing a better job of recruiting and then now you look at lsu and then all brian kelly has done is make a fool of himself you know, in every press conference, like yelling at the media for not responding to him, and then all the, the fake accent stuff at the at like the basketball games, whatever that was. And you have a guy, Miles Brennan, who's coming back, for, you know, for his other year of eligibility to play with this team. And he just like, yeah, I'm gonna leave football. It's not worth it. Like this guy, he, he did make a lot of money with his NIL deals and stuff. He, you know, he had raisin canes and he had um, like smoothie king and a bunch of other places. I mean, two greats. Yeah, and now he's like, uh, he's like, all right, well, I'm not. It's not worth playing for this coach. And that to me oh. is like, it, it really shows what kind of guy Ryan Kelly is. And unfortunately for LSU fans, I'm, I have no ill will towards the school, but this won't be your year either. Obviously, having Georgia nope. and, and Bam being the the, the top of the, the line there in the SEC, but man, oh man, I, I, I never thought when he departed, it would have been a good thing for Notre Dame, and I'm not sure, I mean, right now, LSU fans are probably like, oh no, like, what, what do we get ourselves wrapped up into here, so I, I, I'm glad to see him go, and I'm glad that he's bring down another, uh, uh, you know, a national powerhouse, really, so to speak, yeah. and people are going to see, like, the really the true colors of this guy, and how he's not uh, a nice guy, not a great coach, so, you know, screw no. him. And the thing is, you know, I'm not a Notre Dame fan, but it's like, is there a college job bigger? You know, like, I think that's what really hurts Notre Dame fans. It's like, oh, you went to, you think LSU is, is big. You think SEC is bigger than Notre Dame, which is a slap in the face, but he's such a dork. And Marcus Freeman seems cool. Like I actually will root for him. It's kind of what I was saying about Mike Tomlin. It's like, there are there are people, there are coaches that can go into an organization or a program and you go, I really like that guy. So whatever I felt about it in the past is different because they're bringing a culture that I actually would like and would want to align and cheer for. Yeah. I mean, the having a guy that went from potentially, you know, literally killed a student because of practicing in the, and in, in the, he was a filming practice up in that windstorm, rainstorm oh, thing yeah. and, that, and that fell down. And then a bunch of other stuff too, just minor things, just calling out players in, in press conferences throughout his career I, I screaming at people at the sidelines I mean and he did that everywhere he did that at Cincinnati as well yeah. uh, so then you flip that and you bring in a guy like Freeman who was a players coach everyone seems to like him it's a, it's a great like switch there I get why Brian Kelly left for LSU. He wants a program that is going to put money into football, which LSU does. Notre Dame was like, nope, we're going to do school first. We want to stay this prestigious academic university, which I understand. That's the way it's always going to be. They're never going to get the top, you know, top of the line five-star recruits. Uh, and Brian Kelly was just sick of dealing with that in Notre Dame. So I understand that, uh, why he wanted to leave. But in the fashion he did so, it just left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. And, and like I said, now LSU is going to deal with that. And they already lost one player who was going to be you know, an impactful part of that team. And I would not be shocked if more people go this way. And if he wins five, six games, two years in a row, I mean, it's going to be a very, very hot seat for him down there. 
He must be a great interviewer um, because it does kind of seem like he keeps failing up, which is a classic way to have a career in Los Angeles as well. Um, So if this doesn't work out, I think he should come out here and direct movies. So I'm glad that we got to have that little Brian Kelly trash session. And with that, um, I mean, we are just, it's football, 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 and I cannot wait. I keep walking around my house going, this is where we're going to see the Colts play. This is where we're going to see the Colts play. Um, So I'm so excited that we finally reached the dead of summer. School is back and so is football. Eddie, thanks for sticking around. Wow. We moved, we did it, and now we just have all that little bullshit left to do. Yeah, all a, a bunch of bags with little things. You're like, oh, I'll, I'll get to that eventually, and then like three months from, it'll be like Christmas time. That bag is still in my kitchen yep. somewhere. So I, I, I hope you have more uh, of a drive to put this away than I do because I think this is going to be a long process for me. I absolutely do not, and I came downstairs today, and my mom was wearing a Joe Dirt wig, so it's off the rails over here. Um, Thank you guys so much for listening, rate, review, and we will be back next week with lots of more Megan Fun of Sports. Bye!